Thank you for tuning in. We are your hosts, Monisha Chakrabani and Ambika Sharma. You are listening to Fintech Cafe, a weekly podcast that takes place with a live audience on Clubhouse. This is episode 56, and the topic is credit card as a service and embedded finance. Additionally, we are very excited as this is our first entry into the Canadian fintech scene. For the discussion, we are joined by the founder and CEO of Brim Financial, Rasha Katabi. Before we get started, let's do a quick round of intros. I'm Monisha. I manage product strategy by day at one of the big five banks in the United States. I've been in the financial industry for almost two decades and co-host the show with Ambika. And I'm Ambika, the other co-host of the show. And this show is our hobby project, so we're very thankful that you've tuned in. For a living, I'm a product manager in the fintech space. I've been in this industry for more than a decade, and I have worked in the US, Europe, and Latin America. So without further ado, let's get started with Rasha and our very first Canadian fintech. Thank you for those who are joining. We're back on Fintech Cafe Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central. And today, for the very first time, Munisha and I, we've done 56 episodes. This is our 56th episode. And this is the first time I'm actually doing this show live with her. We work and live in different cities, and I barely have met her. So we're coming out of this virtual world and doing this show together. So Rasha and I, we met at Finnovate in spring that takes place in May in San Francisco. And I know Tariq, who's also in the audience, and Tariq had invited me to a dinner. So I chose to go. And lucky for me, Rasha chose to sit next to me. And, <laughs> and we had a grand time. She told about her life story. I, I just felt so inspired by her life story. I felt like if she could do it, I could do it. So we're going to dive into her story. That same, that same night, because we're crazy. I said to her, like, hey, let's do a, a, a panel on Money 2020. And she's like, sure. <laughs> and at that table, I put together a proposal from my phone for Money 2020, and it got accepted. So Rasha and I will be doing a panel at Money 2020 as well. That, I'm super excited about that, Ambika, actually. Really, that, that, was, that was so much fun, actually, just coming up with the idea and pulling it together and putting it in and getting it approved this next day. It's just sort of crazy. Crazy, yes. But hey, you know, crazy is smart. So why not? (laughs) For sure. So I think to do justice, I think only you can introduce yourself. You've done so much. I and Manisha, at least I look up to you. So why don't you introduce yourself and give us a background on your story? Well, you know, you're saying thank you so much for saying all of this. But my background's in financial services. I uh, started out of school in investment banking and on the trading floor. That was, you know, basically focused always very sort of quantitative from fixed income and derivatives into like a cross asset focus for North America and then covering pension funds globally into North America. And then it spanned really my responsibilities and focus spanned you know, the various asset classes and, and including actually mortgages and, and et cetera. And what, what that gives you, because, you know, I find a very wide lens to the entire ecosystem and, you know, and, and that yields a lot of things and flexibility of thinking and, and really understanding the various, you know, 
pain points as well as upside and, and risk and edge cases and et cetera from, from very different perspectives. And that becomes just the way you approach, you, you know, you undertake, you know, I'm, I'm passionate really about, you know, finance and, and, you know, the, in the entire financial services space flow of funds and flow of money and, and how, you know, different aspects of the ecosystem impacts each other. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about my background. Fantastic. And from there, Rasha, this is Monisha. Would love to kind of hear the segue into Brim Financial, which you have co-founded, you have founded and you are a CEO at. Yeah. So, you know, Brim, Brim Financial, really, you know, the, the only fintech in North America that is an, an, a direct issuer. And, and that was a very deliberate decision that we, you know, took. So it took us a, a few years to actually be able to pull that together. The, the key from our perspective was actually to be able to access all the way down to the payment trails without having to wrap around any other existing infrastructure or bank, et cetera. And then from there on, you know, being lucky to be able to compose with a really white page, we wanted to put together, you know, basically a, a cards, payments, rewards, really full end-to-end -end ecosystem that pulls together, you know, the entire picture from a user perspective, as well as from an issuing partner perspective. And uh, yeah, that's a bit about the genesis of the story of Brim. Great, thank you. And then just into finding the trends that really led to the founding of Brim, Russia, if we could double click on that. Yeah. You know, so when, when we started on this journey, I think, you know, the common wisdom was that, you know, to have a very specific use case and a very specific product that solves a very pointed part of the problem. And so we, you know, went a little bit countercurrent and we, we basically really wanted to continue to take a very wide lens. My, you know, experience in financial services, you know, and, and at large, you know, I always felt that in order to have a solution that is scalable, that actually answers a very wide question, you know, you know addresses a large market, you know, it, you know, I, we, you know, I didn't want to, you know, focus on a very specific aspect of a problem. So we went on to build Brim as an end-to-end -end ecosystem that really, you know, today evolved in what it is, which means that when, you know, for example, you know, a financial institutions wants to think about credit cards and cards as a service and end-to-end -end banking and rewards and, you know, all the way from, you know, configuring and, and, and modularly composing all of the various aspects of the products, you know, and all the way down, and we'll talk about it later, you know, or integrating vertically, they can do it with Brim. And why was that important? Because, 
you know, and again, from you know, that you know, perspective and experience in financial services, one of the hardest things is to align you know, the, the sun, the moon, and the stars. One of the hardest things is to actually achieve six, seven, eight type of vendor integration, integrate data, and pull that miracle and that feast for day one, but also then make it part of a viable strategy over five years and 10 years. And every time you want to evolve one aspect or add products or innovation and et cetera, you still need to orchestrate all of this change amongst all of the various, you know, mosaic of vendors and et cetera, that you went to in order to, again, compose your end state solution. It's basically an impossibility. And as I said, even if you pull it off for day one, good luck for year five. So, you know, from, you know, Brim's perspective, that was a guiding star, you know, from the very start. And we're, we're seeing that today the market really move towards that conclusion in a very fast and furious way, basically recognizing the pain points of, you know, that mindset that was very specific about one aspect of the product or one aspect of the problem and providing a very pointed solution. But in and by itself, it doesn't get you fully to market. So you still need to build a full ecosystem around yourself, you know, and then, you know, and, and, and Brim actually, you know, as I said, took the 180 degree opposite view and approach. Rasha, if just to level set for the audience, how would you describe banking as a service, commonly known as BAS? Yeah, and you know, and I want to make a differentiation from you know BAS and what now you know a lot of focus is on card and then credit card as a service, you know, and and embedded finance. So for me, there's really two big verticals if you think about them. One is in the replatforming space and one is in the net new launching of financial services ecosystem, platform, strategy, whatever you want to call it. So in the first vertical where it is about replatforming, so you may have banks or credit unions or whatnot that you know, need to leapfrog from where they are right now all the way to be able to be competitive in their space, retain and increase their footprint of customers and etc. by being able to transform themselves, um, you know, end to end again, from the technology to the back end to their internal processes, all the way to the product that they are offering to the customers, the way they're reaching the customers, the platform in which the customer experience resides, etc. So again, end-to-end -end transformation, and it is quite existential. This need for transformation, this need for rep, you know replatforming in financial services today is existential, because what we're seeing is a lot of financial institutions, you know, merging, disappearing or definitely shrinking from a footprint perspective when you look at the rise of the various other you know fintechs and offerings that compete for the for their customers and there's no more you know that traditional customer loyalty that you could have sort of lazily you know depend depend on so so that's 
you know, one aspect, you know, the need for replatforming and their banking as a service comes in. So let's say, you know, from, you know, when, when bring partners with such a bank or such a credit union, we're rolling out end to end, fully configured in their environment, within their, you know, their own specifications, etc. You know, as I said, from the front end to the back end to the suite of products, etc. And that is banking as a service. Then you have other verticals where you could be working with another large fintech that could be a lending fintech but doesn't have cards, services, etc. Or it could be a large customer footprint. So massive customer footprint, whether they are an airline or whether they're a large association or a large merchant, etc. And now, because you know, as we know, a couple of more than now, you know, a few years ago, that whole rise of banking can be done anywhere and the decoupling from banking from the large financial institutions, you know, give rise to what we used to call then embedded finance and now sort of more banking as a service. But now you're rolling it out as a net new platform embedded into the ecosystem and into the existing customer relationships and customer journey that this entity, you know, basically has and is leveraging this, you know, customer constellation, this this ecosystem that they have, where they're where they're, you know, rolling out a financial services platform and offering and whatnot. And that's, you know, the other facet of rolling out banking as a service. And because have I attempted to to answer your question yes that was quite thorough <laughs> thank you so if we just continue building on this you kind of described bass but you also went into the landscape so if i can continue probing on the landscape so let's there's a use case of credit card issuing mm -hmm. you, know, you are actually our first fintech company from canada you're based in canada you also have operations in the united states both within Canada and the United States, there's so many financial institutions that issue credit card. So I wanted to understand more about the problem statement of why is issuing credit cards either such a like operationally heavy or expensive process? Indeed, you, you know, if we, if we, you know, attack this question sort of from the end, and let's look at like the proof is in the pudding. So with the rise of cards and the various fintechs that are card issuers, we had, you know, debit and prepaid rise to prominence and, you know, be, you know, much more prevalent, if you will, in the market. And you and credit cards were, you know, were, were nowhere to be seen in this new ecosystem, in this new fintech ecosystem. You know, and that obviously has its roots with the complexity uh, is required to to issue, to pr to process, to operate, to roll out, to maintain, to fund, etc. An entire credit card operations. You're literally running a bank, effectively. So now, you you're literally running a, a mini bank in order to be able to roll out this product with all of its complexities and all of its various facets. However, if we look at the, the number of transactions and the, the dollar value of transactions in the market, we still see a huge dominance of credit cards versus debit cards, which is why you're seeing now a big shift in the market from the debit prepaid space into this you know newly found interest, if you will, 
into credit card and credit card issuance and credit card platforms, etc. We were convinced about that from the start. You know, we wanted to focus on a market where it is a massive footprint and it's massively scalable. And when, you know, you are rolling out a portfolio, this portfolio is massively consequential in terms of dollar volumes. Yeah, so we generally have fintechs in here, but we, you know, outside of this show, we talk to some community banks, for example, and they tend to, when we ask them, like, what's your process of credit card issuing? They tend to usually say, you know, they don't do that themselves. They tend to partner with big banks that do the issuing for them. As a result, they end up owning the customer relationship. And that's where the biggest bank for your buck is, right? For cross-sell purposes, owning the Correct. relationship. Is that is that a problem statement or rather a value add you identified as you decided to venture into this field? For sure, 100%. So, you know, you know, from... Um, from from our perspective, it is super important to be able to roll out those products and those financial products within your ecosystem, because when you're you know using a, a traditional white labeling approach, if you will, or you know using another bank for it, but you know it literally punts your customer out of your ecosystem into their own, into their application funnel, etc. And you know the the white labeling is skin deep. Otherwise, it really is your your surrendering your customer relationships and your profitability and you know that entire ecosystem to to someone else effectively. So having identified that abrim and understanding, you know this the the fact that this is a complex product and and an ecosystem that you need to have around credit cards in general. We set out, you know, to build the most, you know, advanced, uniquely positioned end-to-end -end technology stack that is fully vertically integrated down to the payment trails, fully wide in terms of the variety of consumer cards, SMB cards, virtual cards, family cards, etc. you name it. Together with and of super importance in you know, in this, in for financial services, rewards. So BRIM is, the, you know, the first issuer infrastructure that is a real-time bridge to any merchant and every merchant worldwide, physical or e-commerce, where any merchant can, within three minutes, launch, uh, you know, rewards and loyalty for all cards that run through the BRIM ecosystem. You, you know, in circulation effectively. And, you know, that's super important from, from you know, a variety of perspectives, you know, because, as we said, rewards super important from a value prop, from a customer acquisition and retention, but also one of the most expensive aspects of deploying financial services. Because the you know the 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 PNL the profitability that you're going to make per transaction when you're processing a dollar is less than what it takes and the rewards that you know companies competitors fintechs banks sometimes offer their clients on that same transaction. So now imagine that in real time you have merchants injected within the authorization process and then based on 
you know, cumulative spend time of day, frequency, whatever it is, specific customer behavior that you want to, that you want to support and encourage. Now you have basically these offers that are merchant funded and that come in in the exact same way that I right now today expect to have my points show up at the same time as my auth and they're showing up in the same way but now it's like five percent and eight percent and ten percent and obviously the type of economics that could not be supported by the actual you know business itself so and then you know think about the new Durban amendment that that could you know come in and we thought about that as an edge case scenario when we set up prim way back when what if we lived with a, in a world where interchange was slashed but you know massively slashed like for example and it's not a what if we live in a world australia lives in that world europe lives in that world so uh, you know you know from brim's perspective we wanted an end-to-end -end ecosystem fully vertically integrated down to the rail you know wide suite of products real-time innovation full composability as well as you know that massively important bridge into you know all merchants and rewards because in that edge case of interchange being slashed well now you're in an ecosystem that still offers the most robust you know consumer value prop on all of the you know the products that you're rolling out and then just to go to your product offerings you were saying did i hear this right you said that your customers can enable rewards program to their end users within three minutes yeah any i said any merchant so let so you know and very large well-known you know merchants like apple and nike and you know avis and as well as you know small flower shops and grocers etc are on brim's ecosystem walmart you know and you name it so so as I, what i said is any merchant worldwide can enable offers on the Brim ecosystem, and they are then live within three minutes on all cards running through Brim's ecosystem. And it's extremely powerful, and it's a huge differentiator. And as I said, super important, you know, in this potential world that we could be living in in North America with much lower interchange. And then even think about it now from the merchant's perspective with all of the new cookie rules and the cost of customer acquisition and customer retention going through the roof because of all of the changes to the cookie rules and now you have really a direct to consumer channel for these merchants so for from their perspective it is you know extremely you know cost effective to be able to reach consumer within the financial services platform ambika and then you know just you know if we think about you know that direct to consumer you know cutting out all kinds of costs of you know middlemen and retail stores and retail delivery in between so you know so you have the commerce side together with the banking side together with the infrastructure and platform together with the reporting you know and we bring it uh, sort of all together i want to go to another spot in the conversation which is you know how we sort of think about innovation and where we're going at Brim and how we pull together all of this. Would that be of interest? Sure, go for it. Okay, so, you know, we, we really try to keep 
you know, our ear to the ground and, you know, look at signposts and, you know, how the markets are shifting and identify where it could be going before it hits there. So, for example, you know, the same reason why we took an approach of an entire ecosystem, you know, countercurrent to specific products and specific use cases. Then, you know, actually bringing in rewards from the very start for that edge case of where there's a world with no interchange. And now when we're talking about BAS and about, you know, we're working with some of our clients, roll out BAS strategies themselves as their own growth strategy. And they're using Brim's platform as their platform to be able to enable them to roll out BAS for the various fintechs that want to work with them, et cetera, et cetera. And how, you know, and why would they, you know, look at this type of platform that Brim has built and end-to-end and et cetera. In addition to the massive efficiency of rollout and certainty of rollout and quick time to market, et cetera, full data integration, you know, what we're seeing in the market is that the the operational risk for banks that operate BAS strategy is extremely high. And from a regulator's perspective, you know, compliance would you know, was was always probably, you know, what we all know is the, is a top priority from a regulatory perspective. I think last year, if you talk to, you know, the various banks and et cetera, you would hear that operational risk now has almost surpassed compliance risk as one of the highest risks that they have to address with regulators, you know, and and from Brim's perspective, you know, when I say it's fully integrated with all of your backend processes, everything is in real time. So backend platforms for your staff and employees that are running the business is as real time as the product delivery in the front end. Well, that, you know, in it addresses spot on all of, you know, the various aspects of operational risk that you would have in terms of the visibility of the end-to-end ecosystem that you're enabling other fintechs to roll out under, you know, your banking license or whatnot when you're really rolling out BAS strategy. So, you know, that's another, you know, massively important conversation that is coming up again and again. Got it. And I, I think, uh, yeah, especially in the U.S. regulatory world with more of these partnerships, there's definitely some questions around the operational side of things. So that's great that you're focusing on that. That almost kind of segues into the competitive field, Russia. And I was wondering if you can speak to, I know we have our Canadian listeners in the audience, go Canada. (laughs) We'd love to kind of understand how you would compare and contrast with some of the US fintechs for our, those who are a little more in tune with the US fintech market because we, we've had Marketa on our podcast. We've had Deserve join us. So are there ways in which you would compare with some of them or differentiate from some of them? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think Grim sort of uniquely, is, is uniquely positioned in North America as, you know, that entire holistic 
end-to-end -end ecosystem. So, you know, when, when you're dealing with BRIM, you no longer need to go and have to line up, you know, a number of other vendors to satisfy and to, you know, enable you to pull together a platform and a product offering and a go-to-market. And I would say this is how BRIM massively differentiates from, you know, you know, others that you've just mentioned, uh, Ambika, and from, so, so, so that's, you know, clearly a very strong differentiator from BRIM, from a positioning, from enabling our clients to go to market and from an end-to-end -end integration, real-time innovation, etc. And we're rolling it all out in your ecosystem. So you have speed to market, speed to launch, you know, from from a fully integrated perspective now when you know brim as you know both now on both sides of the border works with techs large merchants as well as credit unions and banks and fis and to be able to work with you know banks and fis where you're replacing legacy players you know like you know, like large names like Fiserv and FIS and, and, and the rest of them. And you're, you know, re you're replacing their entire existing sort of legacy ecosystem, which basically had their legacy processors, as well as the various vendors, as well as, you know, a whole slew of patchwork of, you know, manual and, and, and some, you know, automated processes, etc., to glue all of this together. So, you know, so Brim, because of its end-to-end -end ecosystem, as I said, that is fully configurable, that is, you know, fully composable and is rolled out in the ecosystem of our banking partners and credit union partners and etc. Um, we are able to meet the compliance and risk and product and legal and regulatory requirements end-to-end. You know, so from from a tech review to a credit risk group review to a compliance review to a fraud to product marketing, customer engagement, etc., and then you know you're able to then replatform and roll out for them and and migrate all of their existing clients and existing portfolios onto the platform, and this is what we've had you know a lot of success with here in Canada as well as now rolling out with client partners in the U.S. In terms of then how that impacts your, your acquisition, there was an announcement earlier this year about, you know, your partnership with Air, Air France and KLM to issue card. How, how do you go about the partner acquisition, which I think you've reiterated that is very critical to the growth. And I think this is the second part of right your the two parts that you talked about, one was the replatforming and the second was the new issuance. So just curious about how you approach partnerships and co-branding cards. For sure. So we are big fans of, you know, full branding for our customers. Again, we're super centric on customer experience and we want to roll out and that's how we roll out with partners completely, you know, it, it's it's fully configured, composed, etc., deployed, hosted, maintained, etc., by Brim, fully seamlessly rolled out and embedded in their own environment, so that their customer experience and their branding and their voice and the customer journeys and etc., none of them are broken. 
And so that I think is a hallmark of how we approach partnerships and our mindset around partnerships. It's full immersion, it's very immersive and it's fully embedded. At the same time, we're enabling our partners to, you know, you know, have a partner that has a fully integrated tech stack, full rollout of products and product suites. You know, we introduce new innovations in the market. Like for example, Brim is, you know, one of the unique cards where let's say you lost your card, credit, you know, lost or stolen in real time, that process takes less than a minute and your new card is now in your wallet replaced all of the you know bills are changed and and you're checking out at starbucks with your new card less than 30 seconds after you realize oh my god i don't have my card so but that let's say you know we have clients that have rolled out with us prior to us introducing that innovation we just we we just rolled this out etc at brim the next morning, literally, this is turned on in their ecosystem. And now they have all of this innovation rolled out on all of their cards and products in circulation and within their rolled out, you know, platforms and ecosystem. And, and that is the strength of having one core technology, innovation and, and product innovation that is rolled out, you know, fully configured and configurable to our partners. So you sort of get the best of both worlds and a speed to market and a speed to innovation and robustness of technology that's sort of really, you know, unparalleled and really hard to achieve if you were to, you know, invest in, in, on each side of it and each part of it and having to pull, you know, all of this together. So, you know, we have, we're lucky to have Tarek with us, who, you know, speaks to, you know, the, the, the market in general and to our ecosystem. But in what, what we are seeing is a huge interest in, you know, the, the solution and, and the, how comprehensive it is and how seamless it is to roll out. So, and I think there's a lot of referrals in between clients you know and and that's really how you know that entire momentum and growth over the past 18 months 24 months has been you know has been reverse in really driven by various client references Raja, we're coming to the end of our moderated session so we'll have to open up to the audience soon but i feel we cannot end the moderated session without asking you and also underscoring how how well, how artic how elegantly you've been able to navigate from Wall Street selling, you know, financial instruments to now understanding the payment rails, the credit card industry, and then also disrupting it. So my question, the last question I would like to ask you is more around the startup experience, starting something from scratch. How did you go about, you know, what were some of the challenges? And also like, how did you go around fundraising? generally in the audience or in the industry, it said that women have a hard time fundraising when they start mm -hmm. their own ventures. What was your experience? If you could also highlight that. Yeah, you know, I think I can't underline enough how it is a different challenge and, and you know, and a different kettle of fish for women founders and, you know, and, and fundraising from that perspective. But now that we've sort of addressed the elephant in the room <laughs> from, from, you know, my journey, what, 
has what what helped me is monetizing effectively my track record in financial services and my career prior to that with Merrill Lynch, you know, over 13 years in financial services and structured products, you know, across the asset class spectrum in North America and then globally. It helped, you know, it helps a lot with, first of all, having a whole network already established, you know, of being somewhat of a known entity and, and really, you know, sort of bringing all of that to bear with a track record that sort of adds, because at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, adding credibility to what you're, you know, proposing to build. And now you're at Series B, right? We did Series B last, you know, last year, and we're, you know, we're on to Series C now. Oh, lovely. Congratulations. Thank you. With that, we should open up, try to be disciplined about giving the audience some airtime as well. So let's, if you're you're in the audience, please join us on stage. If you're new, just a reminder, there is an icon. It's like a hand in the bottom right. If you click on that, Munisha is the moderator. She can bring you up on stage. As you come on, on stage, two requirements or requests that we have from you. One, please state your name and where you're dialing in from. And second, all questions are good accept anything about crypto. So in this conversation, we don't want to talk about crypto. So if you can refrain from those topics. So with that, we welcome you on stage. And Manisha, I think there's a question in the audience. Yes, in the lobby, we do have a question from George. Thank you so much for your question. And George, if you would like to come on stage, please uh, let me know and I can bring you up. But Russia, in our lobby, George has Two questions, George Whitley. First, how different is the current client base different from what was initially envisioned? And the second one is how is Brim addressing its compliance and new account disclosure obligations for Canadian and US customers? So it's a two two part question from George in the audience. Yeah, you know, the 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 focus of Brim has always been to actually grow the various customers from a platform perspective and that continues to grow in that in from that from you know from that view and you know of course Brim today works with banks and credit unions both in Canada and the US and you know, as a result, is fully compliant from a regulatory perspective in both markets. I'm so sorry, I missed. Did you also address the current client base being different from initial assessment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, you know, actually the client, but you know, Brim has from the start, you know, set up its infrastructure in order to be able to have multiple clients exactly as you know we are executing today. Okay, fantastic. All right. Again, if you have questions, please feel free to send that either via the lobby area or directly, or please join us on stage. I know we have some Canadian friends in the audience, so this is your chance to talk with Russia today. All right. I think we have Alex from the audience. Thank you for joining us, Alex. Hi, Russia. My name is Alex. I'm a, I, I manage teams design teams at a, at, a, at a large bank. And I have a question about 
previously, years ago, I worked in consulting. And I'm curious how, if you could maybe talk about how working with, say, credit unions is different than, say, working with banks. Because I know that credit unions, they really need the platform as a service. It's always harder, I think, to kind of plug into a, a big bank because of all these different layers. But I was just curious if you could maybe talk a little bit about what, you know, what success you've had with credit unions. Yeah, you know, we find that when an institution is, you know, very focused on its customers, you'll find a lot of similarities. Where a credit union might be somewhat somewhat, somewhat different, but even that is changing, Alex, is, you know, a, a credit union, you, you know, usually would have a focus on a community that is regional or that is defined by a common thread or etc. Whereas a bank will define its community and its client base a little bit more widely. However, we're seeing you know, an evolution in the credit union space, certainly, and a consolidation as well in that space. So whereas you would have thought about credit unions that are they are more specific, regional, community-based, etc., you know, that lens, depending on the size of the, the credit union, is also changing. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Next, we have James. Hello, James. Welcome on stage. Please introduce yourself and ask away. Hi. Thanks for having me. Can you hear me? Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Hi, my name is James. I work in the fintech industry. My question is about the white label process that you have with your partners. So I'm curious, is that something that Brim sets up the white label site for them, or is that something that is just a by process in order for them to stand that up? Yeah, no. So, and, and again, you know, it's, it's sort, it's sort of, it's embedded within their existing URLs and sites and websites and experiences. So it's not that we stand up a, a white label site that is stand alone where you know, a customer needs to go to that separate standalone website. We really, as I said, we're super centric on, on a continuous seamless customer experience. So it's fully rolled out within their own ecosystems, within their own websites and rolled out, you know, from Brim's perspective, Brim rolls it out in their environment. So they don't have to, you know, they don't have to stand it up themselves. And that's, you know, process end to end is six to eight weeks. So extremely swift time to market and time to launch. Yes, that's incredible. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, James. We're going to move to a question that's there in the lobby, Russia. The question is, what would you say is your biggest challenge strategy wise? And how do you envision the landscape of embedded finance in the coming years? You know, I think one thing is for sure that, you know, we have rapid change in this, uh, this space and the payment space at large. So, you know, so from the advent of open banking to, to others and re real-time payments for, for certain, you know, are two trends that will basically engender significant shifts in this industry as a whole. And we from Brim's side are super focused on staying ahead of the curve. And so our, you know, platforms and ecosystems and products and et cetera, 
all take into account what is coming down the pipe in open banking so that our partners and our clients continue to win when open banking becomes, you know, sort of a very set fact and reality and and are able to benefit from being able to attract and source other customers into their own footprint. You know, same thing, our focus on real-time payments sort of stems from the same lens of making sure that we stay ahead of the competition, super strong on innovation and leading the curve and, and most importantly, enabling our partners to continue winning. Rasha, I have a follow-up question. You were just talking about open banking. Pardon my ignorance, but is open banking a law in Canada or yeah, what's the status of open banking in Canada? <laughs> um, because, great question. I'm actually part of the working committees on open banking in Canada, as well as involved in the entire open banking setup and, and ecosystem in the US. So so the, the rules around open banking are being sort of shaped as we speak. And the, you know, so I think you would, you would you know, see that within 12 months, you're going to have a framework that is, that is a lot more defined from what we're seeing today, you know, as to sort of the rules of engagement in open banking in Canada. Great. Thank you. Let's shift to Simi, who's also on stage. Simi, if you want to come off mute and introduce yourself and ask your question. Hi, this is Simi. I work for a major U.S. bank here with Ambika, and I have two questions. First part is most startups would start with maybe just one or two products, but you decided to have a whole ecosystem. What gave you the confidence to jump to that level? Or was that like a step-by-step -step thought that you were following and just making sure that you had maybe really small challenges or like what were the challenges you had to come to get there? And my second question was banking a landscape in US and Canada, which is easier compared to all the compliance rules, regulations, or is it just hard both ways? Yeah, you know, the, the, the great thing is that, you know, throughout my career, I was, you know, with Merrill Lynch in the US and sort of more than half my time was spent in the US versus Canada. So thinking about sort of both markets at the same time, you start seeing where you have a lot of similarities and where you have a lot of similarities in approaches and processes and et cetera. So you have strong leverage uh, in being able to roll out in, in both jurisdictions and where you have nuances. And really, I call them nuances more than differences because really that's what they are. But, you, but those nuances are important, you know, and nuances in the United States and in Canada vary even, you know, state by state or province by province. So Quebec is very different from Ontario, California, New York versus Idaho, you know. So, so I think, you know, having a very strong focus on all of these nuances and building your, your ecosystem and your processes and your tech and et cetera from the start to have the flexibility embedded in it to address all of the requirements, not only today, but as we know, all of these requirements are in com continuous state of flux. Um, you, you know, Brim, you know, really focuses on being the first out of the gate to be fully compliant with any changes of laws and bills and et cetera that pass. Like Bill C-86 in Canada, Brim was a year and a half ahead of any other financial institution fully compliant with C-86. 
you know, and so on and so forth. So I hope I answered your question, Simi. Was there another aspect to the question? No, this is great. Thank you. Thanks so much, Simi. We're going to switch to a couple of questions that's coming offline. Russia, I know we're getting close, but Andrus, fellow Canadian, I think is on an airplane today, so has some mic issues, but excited for him to join. He was excited to see you on this call. He does have a question. He wants to understand why is open finance and API connectivity important to Burm now and in the future? And what would open banking in Canada with open banking framework or data mobility, right, or the U.S., the 1033 rule accelerate for BRIM, its partners, and individual users? Thanks, Andres. Yeah, thanks for the question. You know, I think it's what, what, it, what it means for us is that, you know, we have the responsibility when partners are working with BRIM and rolling out our, our you know, platform to enable them on this platform to always take full advantage of all of the new trends and possibilities and etc that they have for their customers so one by making sure that the the customer experience and the products and the innovations and etc are very attractive in order to be able to now that you have more mobility of customers specifically as you pointed out because of the portability of data now that you have more mobility of customers you want to also have the best in class platform and products and innovations and etc in order to attract those customers to your to your ecosystem and then even with all of that in place, let's not kid ourselves, we need to make sure that this process of moving customers over or enable them to choose to move over to be as seamless and as easy as, you know, a breath of air. So, so that is where, you know, the, the experience and the, you know, tech and the APIs and, you know, and, and everything else that we, that we deploy in order to make sure that this switch, if you will, is as seamless as possible is the other aspect that we focus a lot on. Great. Then we have another question. This is, this topic is very popular by the way, Rasha. If you look at the chat, like so many questions are coming. So let's move now to a question from Vinaya Gupta and I'll just read it. It reads, since we're talking FinTech and credit cards, can you share some thoughts about how the BNPL product will play out in the next couple of years given the current regulatory headwinds and the big banks making a move in the space, especially in the U.S.? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. You know, we always took the approach from the very start and the launch of BNPL being an option of payment within your credit card and within your platform. So, you know, from, from what we are seeing and as we were all seeing, you know, the evolution in the space and the issues around, you know, credit underwriting and losses and whatnot. In the context of a credit card holder, this is a card holder that's already adjudicated. The limit allocation and the credit limit exposure and etc. is already in place. So when you add to that now the ability to do buy now, pay later at any merchant that where, where they're 
choosing to shop and enabling that merchant actually to come and subsidize that rate of BNPL. But at the same time, understanding what is the limit from an exposure perspective that you're going to give to John versus Joe, you know, and, and how much you're going to make available and what type of transaction and what type of et cetera, et cetera, all of that fully configurable based on the risk appetite of your, you know, FI partner or, or bank partner, et cetera, that is rolling out this product. I think, you know, that's a very prudent approach where you're looking at BNPL as just a choice of another means of payment. But from a risk perspective, it's very much sort of within the confines of that same overall credit risk assessment. Okay. Thank you. There are a couple of questions, but we have two minutes. I like this one from George Whitley. This is a follow-up. He had asked another question. So I think, you know, can't we go to, you know, another person in the audience just to give someone else a chance? Sure. There's one from, I I mean, these are all repeat at the moment. So there's one from Abinat. I hope I'm saying his name right. He's saying there are aspects of tech that banks need to own as a regulation. Is that a hurdle with a full BAS offering? No, unless, you know, you want to, you know, clarify, it's not a hurdle from a BAS offering because technology is actually, you know, outsourced, has to a large extent traditionally been outsourced as bank. Just, you know, think about all of the IBM systems that that reside within within all banks across the, the landscape, both in Canada and in the US. Great. Well, we are down to the last minute. The question we like to ask from all founders is that when you are vastly successful in this endeavor of bringing Brim Financial and products to the market, what does the world look like? Like how, what's your big vision in this, in this endeavor of yours? Enable, you know, making sure that, you know, the platform that we're rolling out and the footprint from, for Brim enables the best partner and customer experience that can be so that we're always trying to deliver you know, the best uh, value and product and offering and technology to the partners that have placed, you know, their trust in us. That's fantastic. A vision set out and you're all already on, on your way, Russia, to achieve it. I'll say thank you so much on behalf of the audience here at Clubhouse for joining us today. It almost seems like this is going to be a bit of a sneak preview, Russia, right before Money 2020, where I think we're going to hear more from you. So thank you for your time. Excited to see everything that Brim has lined up and what's coming up next. And thank you again for joining us. With that, any <sighs> final words, Russia, before we... Well, well, thanks a lot for uh, for having me. Ambika, it was great to meet at Finnovate Spring and can't wait for Money 2020. Yes, definitely. We'll have to repeat the story again. To all those <laughs> who think they have to plan for a long time to put a proposal together, you can do it in 10 minutes on a dinner table. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much. You joined this show again last minute. So I appreciate your flexibility. You're very successful and yet you're so approachable and relatable. So I really appreciate your demeanor. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for everyone for their time. Certainly. So with that, we'll bid you farewell. Thank you, Rasha, again for joining and staying slightly over. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Have a good evening. That's all for today. 
Thank you for listening. If you like the discussion, we welcome you to join us during our live shows every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific on Clubhouse. We'd be delighted to have you there. You can also find other episodes on all major podcasting platforms, such as Spotify, Apple, Google, Audible, wherever you get your podcasts. We'd appreciate if you could leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Until next week, be safe. Thank you.